There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, hopefully an improved audio version. As uh, last week, Doc and I, we don't usually take your concerns under advisement, just kidding, we always do. But usually when it's an audio issue, we kind of shrug it off. Last week was awful. Um, Spring training for everybody. But today's episode is I'm going far afield already. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Armchair Media and our good friends at BetOnline who like to pay us. Uh, which is good because they, in turn, then end up taking my money when I make a wager on Bet Online. Maybe you're better at it than me. I don't know. If you go to BetOnline.ag, though, you can play lines like, I don't know, maybe you think the Braves are going to win the World Series and you want to take that line. It's a good one to take. Maybe you don't see a line that you want. The cool thing about Bet Online, you can actually contact them about getting a custom-made line, and they'll do it for you. So if you want to say, hey, I want to... I want to get the odds on Ronald Acuna Jr. going 40-40 this year. BetOnline will do it for you. And if you use our promo code, armchair, they're going to give you a nice little surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is, though, because I need you to go and do it yourself. Go to betonline.ag today. Promo code armchair for all the guts and glory. So, Doc, now that we have that professional-sounding read out of the way, we are so close to opening day, I can almost taste it. Less than one week at this point, my friend. We we made it through the long, dark winter. Well, it's it's not winter anymore, but it's certainly dark outside. I saw like that green, gray tornado-looking sky earlier. But yeah, uh, within the next seven days, we will have Real Deal Baseball. Uh, we just had our opening day starter announced, which is exciting, to the surprise of no one. It's Max Freed. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that we really need an announcement. I think we all knew that this was going to be max uh i think this is the first of many for max freed and really cool i've been saying this for for what seems like forever now uh about how underrated max is around the league like there's no doubt in my mind max is a top 10 pitcher in baseball i think he showed a lot last year and i am so excited to see him this year now that he's actually throwing four pitches in games and he has a fifth one in his back pocket that he can use as well i mean this is this is 
this is the moment where I, we, you and I have been Max Freed as the number one guy for the Braves for the last year plus now. This is, it's just very validating to see Max actually do that last year and get rewarded with that opening day start this year. They could have gone with Morton, you know, being the experienced guy, being an outstanding pitcher in his own right, but it's very good to see Max get that opening day nod. Max certainly earned it, and and as spring training has gone on, you know, he got a little bit of a later start because he had a uh, a uh, COVID exposure, so uh, he missed a uh, missed a start in there. So now uh, he's back; he's looking as good as ever, and it's looking like the opening weekend series against the Phillies is going to be Freed, Morton, Anderson against Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. So it's um it's going to be a very hungry Phillies team. I don't know if it's going to be a better Phillies team, but they're going to run into some really good pitching right out of the gate. And truthfully, the Braves will as well. You know, say what you want about the Phillies' depth, but Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler to start is a pretty good one-two punch. And that that's kind of what you tend to see a lot opening day. You see a lot of uh, lower scoring games because everybody's rolling out fresh aces. So, Never forget the Braves got swept by the Phillies in 2019 to start the season, and we all were ready to burn it all down, myself included. Uh was not a good opening week in 2019, but this is a totally different Braves team, totally different Phillies team. I'm just excited to get real baseball, and I and I always like seeing Max and Nola match up because they both have such ridiculously beautiful and really good curveballs. It's just something about something about a sharp, big breaking curveball just does it for me. It gets me all nice and tingly. Lets you know that baseball's here, and you know it's just. I, I can't get over just how ready I am. I always get this way towards the end of spring training, but I am really just so ready for the 2021 season. 60 games was last year. I thought as much as I didn't think it was going to be great having just 60 games. I thought, uh, I thought baseball did a really good job with that. The games felt very important. It felt like a playoff stretch, basically the entire season, but it just wasn't enough. So I, I'm ready for an extra hundred games. Well, that's part of the fun thing about baseball is that from the end of February when the spring training games start to now the beginning of November that now there's kind of extended playoffs there um, is that it's always on. That's the best part about it. And so many of us set our internal clocks by by the actual baseball season. I know that for a very long time I felt pretty lost between the end of uh, the end of the Brave season, which when this was going on was was in early October uh, until the, the games would start again. So after doing 60 games, I mean, it's basically like we just picked up a book that was, you know, th- three quarters of the way into it and just read to the end, you know? So you got kind of dropped into some drama, like right from the very beginning when you're talking about the games being meaningful from the start. So now we're about to get a really good perspective on how long the season is, how much of a grind it is, because I mean, 100 games, just lopping that off of the schedule is a lot. So going back to it now, there's going to be a lot of really interesting stories to track as far as uh, who's got the stamina to make it the full season. And I know that uh, a lot of teams are really concerned about being able to fill innings. Having as many guys being in competition for the fifth uh, uh, spot of the rotation uh, like the Braves have, whether it's Bryce Wilson, Waskar Inoa, Tuki Toussaint, uh, Kyle Wright, who just got sent down, you know, you're going to see all of those guys making starts over the course of this year because you're going to have a lot of innings to cover. So that's going to be a, a really, really important story to track. Well, you blew my tease, but uh, speaking of Kyle Wright getting sent down, uh, you know, we, we just mentioned you know, the season's a week away now, which means you get to the part of camp where you start getting to the final cuts now. These are always going to be the harder cuts. These are always going to be the, the guys that you've seen more getting sent down. And Kyle Wright, Jacob Webb, both getting sent down. Uh, Webb, I think, is a casualty of getting a late start and the fact that he has options. 
think we'll see Webb up again very quickly, basically knowing that you have to carry an extra starter, uh, at least until Soroka comes back, if not two, then that kind of takes away one of the bullpen spots. I have, I have no doubts that Webb will be back up there. Uh, for Kyle Wright, though, it is... I don't want to go... I don't want to go overly dramatic on it, but it is disheartening. If you're Kyle Wright or, or a big Kyle Wright fan, it is very disheartening uh, that it really doesn't seem like it was much of a much of a decision to have him sent down. Really hasn't. He's had a couple starts where he's pitched pretty well, but nothing nothing substantial. Uh, I think he's clearly been outpitched by both Waskar uh, and Bryce, despite the fact that if you just looked at Waskar's ERA, you would think that he'd been awful this spring. Really not the case. Um, and I think it's I think it's kind of telling that Newcomb hasn't been officially sent down, but Kyle Wright has. Uh, not not a good place to be in if you're Kyle Wright. Not a place that the Braves, I would imagine, envisioned Kyle Wright being at this point in his career. But uh, it, it sometimes it's a consequence of depth. It doesn't mean that Kyle can't come up and do what he did to close out the season last year uh, in LCS start notwithstanding. Just means that, hey, got outplayed this spring, and the Braves seem pretty committed to making sure they take, if not the exact 26 best uh, at least the best starting set that they can possibly get. No doubt. And and we've known for a long time that this day would come for some of the pitching prospects. Tukey's there, and we've wondered whether or not Bryce and, and uh, even, even Anoa uh, would would be how many of the starters are going to turn into bullpen guys. You know, it, it happened to Newcomb, and you obviously don't want that to happen to Kyle Wright, partially because he has... He has the stuff to be a successful starter. He just can't. He just can't deliver, right? So, value means different things for different players. And you know, at the at the time when he was drafted, he his signing bonus he was, you know, until Brendan McKay uh, signed for like twenty five thousand dollars more than him. Kyle Wright had the the biggest bonus in draft history at the time. So the Braves obviously have a lot invested in Kyle Wright, and they don't want him to turn into a one inning guy. But if he could be a successful meaningful one-inning guy, as opposed to being somebody who struggles to put together four solid innings at a time, well, once again, value means different things to different people. So I don't know if they're all the way there yet, but the day is probably coming. As it pertains to Jacob Webb, it is easy to be disappointed or upset at the fact that he got sent down, because I think Webb is certainly one of the 26 best. You don't want to see somebody who is that talented being a casualty of just the business side of it, but it is a business. Not to mention, Webb has a pretty lengthy injury history, and you kind of have to take that into consideration. You have to know that if he gets overused, he might flame out and spend a couple of months on the IL, and you'll wish that you had kept Nate Jones if you let him go, or you'll wish that anybody was, was still around. So I hate it, but... It was kind of obvious it was going to happen, I think. I mean, when you're talking about Webb, I think a lot of us lose sight of, you know, sometimes we, we look at the promise of a guy, and, and Webb is a very talented arm, but he does have, he's got more injury history than he has successful history. And, like, that's not to me, that's not disparaging Jacob Webb. Uh, but there are times where if you're talking about consistency, that's not always Jacob's strong point. Uh, he can go on these big walk binges, and you saw that they didn't add Carl Edwards Jr., who opted out of the uh, minor league contract signing with the Braves so he can go try to latch on somewhere else. Walks probably played a huge role in that. It's one of the reasons why Nate Jones is going to make this ball club. Not only did Nate Jones just pitch really well, but he also didn't walk people, and that shouldn't be lost in the shuffle. Um, I think you were talking about uh, Kyle Wright in, in the – inevitability of some of these guys getting transitioned to the bullpen, Wright and Noah, 
uh, being too forefront. I think I think we've seen the Braves finally do that with Tukey, uh, and I think it's really going to work. Now Tukey can obviously make spot starts if you need him to, but I think that I think that the Braves are finally at the point where they've got enough other starting depth to where they would say that even if Tukey's a starter, is he really a better starter or significantly better starter than say Enoa or Kyle Muller or Tucker Davidson or Bryce Wilson to where he can get you can get more value on your team by having him in the bullpen where personally I think he's a better fit anyway just due to fastball command uh, and you get to see Tukey this spring he hasn't started a game this spring uh, but he he has been lights out in nearly every outing uh, he, he he looks much better uh, he's able to when he's in shorter stints he's able to pitch backwards and if the fastball command is not there oh well he's only got to get through an inning maybe two uh, I'm very excited to see this with Tukey. I actually think Tukey's got one of these spots in the bullpen. I think I don't think Newcomb's going to make the bullpen. Uh, Dayton, maybe, just if they want another lefty in there because all your other lefties are high-leverage lefties. Um, I don't know. But Tukey, just going by spring results and, and how they've looked, Tukey most definitely deserves a spot in this bullpen if the Braves are ready to transition him to that role. Well, and Tukey's the, the same tale that you kind of hope is w- what's going to happen with Kyle Wright. Just because you're the eighth best starter, just to use a random number, doesn't mean you have the eighth best stuff. It just means you have to start taking special considerations as to your usage, right? Tukey, as a one or two inning guy, is terrifying, you know? And <clears throat> there are a million relievers that had the stuff to start, but just couldn't put it all together, became relievers and became elite. You know, that's... Andrew Miller, Rysel Iglesias, two guys off the tip of my tongue or off the very top of my brain there. And by the way, Rysel Iglesias, a guy that I've always comped Tukey to anyway, but very similar issues as starters. The fastball command was was never pinpoint enough to where you would trust him to go five or six innings, but you move him into a short stint. And even if the command on the fastball is not there, they have such good command of the off-speed that in one or two inning stints, it doesn't quite matter as much, and they're able to still be really, really effective, even if the fastball command is, is less than ideal. Yeah, and for as much as you've seen Tukey struggle with fastball command, that's that's easy. Well, not easy, but it's much easier to do it for an inning or two than it is to hold that up for six innings. And if you do hold it up for six, six innings, then to do it six innings next time. So Kyle Wright still has a role in this, in this organization, but yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. If Newcomb's still up and Wright's not, that's a it's a pretty big statement. We know how, how far Newcomb has fallen. So now I do also think the difference is I don't think the Braves are going to transition Kyle Wright to a reliever role. I think he'd get traded before they they put him into the bullpen. Just because at some point you can't just take all the starters, wash them into the bullpen, and be like, all right, well we're good. Uh, at some point, some of the value needs to be returned. And talking about Kyle Wright and the Braves investing so much into him. I think that he's one of those that would be dealt to a team that maybe thinks that they could fix him um, long before the Braves would be like, all right, well, we'll just transition him to a reliever. Maybe if he's needed this year, like if it doesn't happen this year, I think that he, he'll certainly be in the bullpen at some point this year uh, just because that's, that's the way it works out. He'll probably make a, a few starts this year as well because just because you roll in with five starters with a sixth guy waiting in the wings, you're still probably going to use seven or eight starters at least to get through the season. Uh, and for Kyle, the, the name of the game is just don't don't let it get into your head. Work on the stuff that they tell you got to work on, and and eat this eat this loss, but don't let this loss like bring you down. Like we talk about Newcomb all the time, and and we talk about Newcomb's body language a lot, where both you and I both feel like that 
that played a significant role in, in Nukem being unable to recover uh, once bad things started happening in, in starts. And you can see that with Kyle at times, too. Especially when you lock in that the, the best performances of his career are all with nobody in attendance versus every, every time there seems to be people in attendance, things just seem to slide off the rails at the first sign of trouble. That's something that Kyle's got to work on, and that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, the mental, the mental side of the game does not show up in the same way for everybody. When you talk about uh, the mental aspect of baseball, it's not everybody has the same things that they have to do in order to be, have a good mental game. Like there, There's a lot of different things that go into the mental makeup of a pitcher, and a lot of times that can be just as, if not more important, in the long run for how these guys succeed, particularly as a starter. Now that's, that's very well said. And so we're, we're looking at the bullpen, right? There, there's probably not going to be a lot of room for Kyle, Wright. You and I are both kind of in agreement that Tukey has done enough to make it, especially in the early part of the season where guys are getting stretched out and you still might not be able to rely on everybody that first weekend to make it six, seven innings. You're going to have to cover it. You know, Tukey can be a multi-inning guy. Most of the roles that were going to be out there are guys that we knew were going to be there. Like you're looking at Will Smith, AJ Mentor, Tyler Matzik, Chris Martin, like it or not, Luke Jackson, because he's out of options, Josh Tomlin. You knew all of those guys are going to be there. So is it Nate Jones or is it somebody else that fills that last spot? I think spot? it's Nate Jones. I think it's Nate Jones. I think Nate has done a phenomenal job this spring. Uh, I think he's he showed that his arm is healthy he's back up in the 93 to 95 range which is what he's traditionally been his his whole career now he might be closer to 92 by the time we get to like midseason uh, but if you're telling me that Nate Jones is a guy that can come in in the sixth inning basically the same time that you would use Luke Jackson I mean you can do a lot worse Nate Jones has been a very effective reliever um, going back, you have to go back to 2018, really. But he, he's been a very effective reliever for a long time in this league. He's he's the stuff has looked good, and the location has looked good. And when you've got a guy that you're going to use in that kind of lower to medium leverage situations, which I imagine Jones would be at, he would top out at medium leverage. Um, it, it, the the ability to not compound mistakes, don't put a runner on before you get lit up. You know, I think that that's a that's a good thing, and I think that uh, I think that's one of the things that that won Nate the job over Carl Edwards. I, I think for sure we'll see a corresponding move here soon. Um, this might be the death of Chad Sabaka on the forty man because I believe Nate Jones has to be added, and if he's not added already, I think I think today's the deadline. If I'm not mistaken, recording this on Thursday, uh, I think I think today is the deadline for Nate Jones to be added to the forty man. Yeah, I think that he's going to fill that role as well. And uh, I'll be curious to see whether or not they throw an extra arm out there and run a little shorter on the bench, uh, knowing that they can interchange later in the season. And Chad Sabatka, if he's the 40-man casualty, I mean, he was really good for that tiny little stint, but he's kind of been hanging on by a thread for what seems like two years now, maybe even longer than that. So um, He's already survived so many cuts that he shouldn't have. Like, we haven't talked about this on the show, but... It was really weird when the Braves just let Kyle Garlick walk. Uh, and just judging by spring stats, it was a really bad idea to let him walk because he's just like, it, it didn't make sense to me to let him go. Um, and that was one of those cases where Sabatka was on the 40 or where you've had other guys on the 40 and somebody else walks free. Uh, maybe the Braves thought that Lamb would, would be better. But I know Garlick was the casualty for signing Ozuna. Um, but I, I that that's one of those that kind of, was weird for me for a little bit. Um, but when you're talking about bringing an extra bullpen piece, I don't know where I side on that because it is going to be different this year with no DH. You are going to have to carry 
an extra player because you know you're going to have one of the catchers. I still think it's Alex Jackson because I don't think the Braves really care about offense from the backup catcher. I think they really more more than anything they care about how he handles the pitchers. Uh, and I think that Alex is is for as good as William has been and for all the improvements he's made, Alex is still way better at that than him. Um, but that nobody likes to to pinch hit a, a backup catcher just in case. Uh, which means that you basically got four guys there. If we're saying a five-man bench, you've got four other guys. You've got to try to rotate between. You're going to have to carry one guy who can play first base and third base, one guy who can cover the middle infield. Uh, you need somebody that can play center field. Having Ronald helps, but I don't think Ronald wants to play center anymore. I think he wants to stay in right field. Um, but you're talking about if everybody on your bench is more defense than offense, then then you're going to run into the same type of problems that the Braves have had for the last few years. Luckily for Atlanta... One of the bright and shining stars of camp has been Iray Adrianza. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, nice little refresher. Uh, again, if you missed the start of the show, which I don't know why you would, you should go back and listen to it right now because that was a professional read. Uh, go to betonline.com or betonline.ag today. Use the promo code armchair and get your money. Put your money where your mouth is. I'm telling you. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, but just talking about how impressive some of these people have been in camp and, and we do always have to throw out the disclaimer that spring training stats are kind of useless especially for already established guys but I don't think if somebody told me that they didn't care at all about what Andreanza's numbers were I would say that you're probably lying uh, there, there's no way to look at what some of these players have done and not come away impressed and for me Adrianza has far and away been the most impressive especially when you lump in his <laughs> his OPS uh, for a guy that was really was not this type of slugger ever in his entire career, he's just banging out extra base hits left and right. He's he's such a funny guy. If you look at the you look at his past, I mean his he's kind of underwhelming as a player. But he's had a little bit of success uh, when he was with the Twins, but he's not really a big power guy. He's not really a big speed guy. He's not a he's not even a great average guy. He's somebody that's just kind of like he is your textbook utility player. Um, he's a really, really good bench guy, but if he's somebody that's starting on your team, then you're probably looking at like a third or fourth place finish, you know? But for for what he has done, he has given the Braves the ability to uh, probably send Camargo down. They are very redundant as players anymore. I know that the 2018 Braves do not win that division, the first uh, division title coming out of the rebuild without Camargo. I mean, when he got regular playing time, he was great, but it, it's been several years that he's been been struggling now and we all hate to see it but and he's just been getting worse honestly since 2018 he's taken steps back each of each progressive season like it, it I'm almost at the point with Camargo where I almost want to see him abandon switch hitting and just stay right-handed at this point because the lefty lefty it's just not working out for him no agreed and and as long as he's gonna be a light hitting switch hitter with positional versatility well I mean that's Adrianza, except you're actually getting some results there. Um, and then, you know, if Camargo, I think he has one option left. If you use that on him, then you can always bring him back up later in the season if things look different. But yeah, I, I have been very impressed with what Adrianza has done. He stepped in, he's done exactly what uh, what the team has asked of him. And even for some of these fringe candidates like Heredia and Almonte, and I still am not sure whether or not I think Jason Kipnis is going to make it or not, but Adrianza is the one who's really separated himself and really kind of put his uh, put his name on the map as somebody you can't break camp without. Um, as far as somebody who's really impressed me in camp, uh, I'm actually going to go with Bryce Wilson here, and it's not so much that he's been getting 
uh, getting results because he has been, but it's the fact that he's he's done something that Kyle Wright probably needs to do, and he's pitching to his strengths now. He's not trying to overpower guys. He's not trying to strike everybody out. He's like, look, I have a spectacular defense behind me. If I become a pitch-to-contact guy, what do I stand to lose? You know, you can let the team do the work behind you. You can be efficient with your pitches. You can get out of an inning on three pitches. You know, if you strike everybody out, that's great. That's really gaudy numbers. That's great for your projections and for fantasy teams and everything. But you're limited in what you can do because you've got to throw at least three pitches every single time. You know, you can save your bullpen. You can do a lot to endear yourself to a team if you are a pitch-to-contact guy. And with this defense, that's really going to work. Not to mention, his stuff just looks great. He looks confident. He looks like he's not afraid to have somebody hit one. You know, that's that's what plagues a lot of guys. They're just like, look, I can't have somebody take me deep. They're scared of being shown up or embarrassed or whatever comes along with that. Bryce Wilson does not care. He just wants results, and he's really playing to that now. So he's somebody that's really impressed me in camp. And that's one of the things that we've talked about with Bryce for years. I mean, I've been saying it since he was coming up hot and heavy with Joey Wentz in, in the farm system uh, that that Bryce was a guy that you always pencil in as a major league guy because he's around the plate so often. But you and I both thought, as a big leaguer, you know, he was going to give up hits because he didn't have the same pure stuff as the other guys. And, and I think the big change for him is that he's no longer trying to be perfect. And, and Snicker mentioned something about it. Uh, they they brought it up at some point this spring, telling him to to go out there and, and let him hit, and it got misconstrued a little bit uh, to where you know some people are like, oh well, he's telling he's telling Bryce to give up contact. No, what he's telling that that's one of those baseball cliches where what you're really saying is go out and throw your game. Don't don't try to be perfect. Just go out there and and do your thing. Put your pitches kind of where you want to, but don't try to be too fine. When you for Bryce, that's that's really that's really essential because. As much as we like the slider at times for Bryce, and, and you know we love when he's punching guys out with 96 up in the zone, he doesn't have the the stuff to be these the premium K stuff of of like a Wasker Anoa, who I'm going to talk about next. Um, you know, it's for him a lot of it is going to be induced contact, stay away from barrels. He lives in the zone, so learn how to pitch in the zone effectively of, as far as getting the contact that you want in the zone. Fill up the, the strike zone, and like you said, get out and be very efficient. That's one of the things that Bryce, and I think that's the that was the next step for Bryce Wilson's evolution is to you know to realize that he's not the overpowering guy and to to accept that and be okay with it. It's hard for a lot of these guys, especially when you're Bryce or a guy like Bryce, that you're getting a ton of swing and miss in the lower minors up through double A because a lot of those hitters haven't really seen or haven't faced that premium velocity all that often or haven't seen professional breaking balls at all and then as you move up a little bit you get to the professional hitters you realize that it's a step up as far as being able to get them to swing and miss so for Bryce I'm, I've been I'm, I'm with you I've been very impressed with him but if I'm picking young starters that have impressed me more than anyone else for me it's Wasker Anoa and I know the 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 surface stats do not support it his ERA is higher than basically all the other ones um, but you're talking about a guy who despite the fact that his ERA is like in the sixes right now He's got a FIP of like 109. Uh, Waskar has been the most unlucky pitcher on the staff, and that's including Luke Jackson, who just has interminable bad luck. Uh, interminable, I should say, bad luck. Uh, Waskar has been wildly impressive. For me, the same question with Waskar is the same question I've had with him the whole time, is can he sustain past pitch 55? If he can't get to 75 or 85 pitches, 
he's not going to be a starter. But if you are actually watching the spring games and not just kind of looking after the fact or, or looking for spring ERAs, Waskar has been the most electric of all of these young arms this spring. Wholeheartedly agree. Said it last week, from a results perspective, Bryce Wilson has been the best. From an Arsenal perspective, Inoa has been the best, and, and there's not even a question about it. He looks he looks better than he did last year, and and that's really saying changing, a lot. Changing that arm slot was a huge deal for him because before he had he had big stuff, but coming out of his arm slot, you could like his breaking ball and his fastball didn't tunnel. Now they're coming out of that same arm slot, and it's made that that slider which had that nasty movement a lot, but it's making it better. And he's he's added that split chain that splitter, that split change up back into his arsenal, which you and I and, and Ben Chase, uh probably the three biggest Waskar fans coming into this season, along with Dren, I'll say Dren, uh before he yells at me again. Uh we've all been clamoring for that because that was his go to pitch in Minnesota. Th- there's no doubt that Waskar has the stuff to be a starter. The stamina though that's a big question mark for me. It's why I'm, I'm really annoyed at Jake Lamb because his last time out, if Lamb makes that easy turn and doesn't make that error, Waskar probably goes five innings giving up maybe one or two runs. We might have seen what happened in the fifth inning if he might have gotten tired or so, but he basically had to throw an extra innings worth of outs after that, and that's when it kind of unraveled for him. Yeah, if we were doing a, a list of guys that really haven't impressed us in camp, Jake, <laughs> Jake Lamb would certainly be at the at the top of the list for me. But yeah, Anoa's stuff is just it's uh it's incredibly electric. I mean, he's dancing close to a hundred. Um, you know, we've we've seen him hit a hundred before, but he usually kind of tops out around ninety eight uh, these days. But yeah, he I think he is probably going to wind up spending a lot of the season uh, in AAA, just getting getting to the point where he can extend from you know his fall apart inning doesn't uh, doesn't happen after fifty five or sixty five or eighty five or ho- or however many it is. I mean, it's he is he is twenty two uh, and. On the age range, hard to remember that sometimes. Yeah, I know. And so he he'll be he'll be twenty three in late May, and uh, you know he'll pitch. He will be one of the the younger ones uh, out of this entire list. It's still hard to remember that like Wright's twenty five, Tukey's twenty four, and Noah's still only twenty two. So uh, by that rationale, he's a little bit farther behind everybody else. But we'll we will see him this year as well. Uh, I, now before we move off of Waskar, yeah. I did have one thing I wanted to run by you. Oh yeah, I, what, what was that? I've I've come. I, I've been trying to figure out why it seems that it's like it's almost exactly right at fifty-five pitches where Waskar stuff just like it. He just loses the impact behind it, and I do wonder. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The Braves, the past two and a half, three years, have basically committed to piggybacking Enoa and Patrick Weigel. In AAA, or basically as long as those two are at the same level, that's what they've been doing. Is they've been piggybacking those guys, and Waskar's been pretty firm at 55 pitches. He actually didn't get to 65 pitches for the first time in his career until last season uh, in one of those losses to the Dodgers where he was just flat-out brilliant. I did want to get your thoughts on, do you think that that's played a little bit of a role? Do you think this is something that... That this never seemed like it was a big issue. Like I, This wasn't ever talked about when he was with Minnesota. Now, granted, he was you know in low A in Minnesota, so it might might just have, have never come up. But do you think the Braves might have artificially caused this problem or inadvertently caused this problem by taking him out at 55 to 60 pitches every single outing and then having Weigel piggyback off him? Do you think it's one of those things where 
his body, his arm has just gotten used to this set number of pitches, and he's got to break through that wall again. I think so. I mean, they kind of, I don't want to say they jerked him around because that implies that they were like playing games with him, but, you know, he was a starter. Uh, he, and he was getting the the front half of that that piggyback, and then you know he came up and he was doing one maybe two innings at a time. Uh, then he would have a bad outing and get sit back down, and he would start, and then he would come back up and be in the pen again. So I think that the fact that they in the first interview of spring training, Snitcher said we are going to stretch him out, and he is going to start for us. I think that 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 might have been them just kind of putting their foot down and saying no no more no more of that reliever stuff for now you you are a starter until further notice um just to even kind of if he had any confusion or misgivings about what his role was now it's like all right i i am a starter and now you have to start taking the steps that come with that and even if you're a reliever who's throwing 55 pitches then you're you know you're uh you're still something's in, gone horribly wrong well you you're still in that in between you know you and you still got to figure out like I could really blow it out for 20 pitches, but if you want me to stretch out to like 80, 90, 100, then yeah, I've got a little bit of work to do. So he's still probably in the process of getting stretched out, which is why I think ultimately he will be spending a lot of that stretch out time uh, at the alt site before the season starts. And then um, then after the season starts doing it in, in Gwinnett, same place, just different format. <laughs> I actually I agree with you as much as I love Waskar. Uh, I don't think the Braves are going. To, I think I think Bryce was always probably. I don't. I, well, it's gonna be weird to say because I want Waskar because I I believe in Waskar stuff more than I believe in anybody else's right now, uh, as far as the the young guys. But I do think that Bryce is is the more steady. I think the variance and I say variance of of floor and ceiling all the time because it, it's a big deal when you're talking about how you make your teams. When you're talking about this Braves team. This Braves team has the offense to score eight, nine runs a game. So it's not like it's not like every one of your starters has to be a sub-two ERA type of guy or has to be a 15-strikeout type of guy. You mentioned how good the defense is for this team. Even factoring in that you're going to have Marcel in left field, the infield still has very good defense despite the fact that Riley's been – he got better last year, but you know still not great defensively. Dansby um, is a wide variance on his defense depending on who you ask, but last year was pretty good for him. Um, you know – there's still a good defensive ball club that handles things well. It doesn't make a ton of errors. They might struggle with range at some particular portions of the field, but for the most part, they all make the plays they're supposed to make. So having a guy like Bryce who you feel very confident will be able to give you five, six innings every time out, and even if he's not super electric, can get you can get you to your bullpen with a lead. Uh, that, that puts him... In my opinion, it puts him really high up if you're talking about somebody who's just going to make replacement starts. Like, if the Braves were looking for somebody that had to hold down the fort for, say, half the season or more, I think that this would be a different argument. But knowing that Soroka's basically ready, they're just holding him back because they don't want him running right now, I think it's a no-brainer to go with Bryce. But we're, we're going very far afield on this. Uh, we got a couple more that I want to touch on. Will Smith deserves some love. Uh, we've talked about that before, how he just, you know, Last year was, was just a case of, of didn't get his time in and, and totally different this year. Has, has been wipe out all spring. Uh, this is what we all expected from Will Smith. But the other one that, that we need to talk about is one that we wanted to talk about last week. We really just didn't get enough time. Uh, Michael Harris. Now, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. If you ask them most impressive prospects on the Braves, Michael Harris's name will be in the top three. Uh, he, he's been that impressive of a guy. You had Chipper call him a, a, a lefty Acuna. 
Uh, you've seen him. You've seen, by the way, that the Braves front office has reacted to him and the, the what they've been willing to give him as far as uh, you know putting him in spring training last year and this year before he's really even gone to Double A. There's high expectations on him now, and he's been. I mean, he, he's done nothing but but prove them right. No, absolutely, and he was he was one of those names that was. Because he was a two-way guy coming out of high school, nobody was sure exactly what his role was going to be. Similar to Austin Riley, you know, somebody that was most teams were looking at as a pitcher. The Braves saw him on offense and said, "We can probably work with this better uh, than uh, than if you stay on the mound." And and he has really rewarded the, their faith in him. You know, he when when he was playing in the uh, Gulf Coast League, I mean, he was just he was on fire. It's very rare to see somebody make it to Rome in their draft year, especially somebody uh, coming right out of high school. And all of the reports that you saw at the alt site last year were just glowing. And now getting to see him in some games, and even after he got reassigned to minor league camp, still coming over and playing in some games and and making great plays in the outfield after. Uh, even after he got sent down, you know, he obviously didn't let it get to him. It, we all knew that he wasn't going to break camp with the team or anything, but it's been just one outfielder after another uh, in this organization, you know, with uh, Cunha and Pache and Waters and now Harris. You know, they have really, really strung together some spectacular outfield prospects over the past couple of years. And now, when you start looking into the future, you know, they've got Ozuna for the next four, maybe five years and left, or or DH. Uh, you've got Pache in center and you've got Acuna in right. And then you've got Waters who could step in to that left field role. Harris could be there, could be a free agent guy, but you have this surplus of outfielders. And uh, I don't know which direction they're going to go because, I mean, Michael Harris is getting like very Jason Hayward-esque hype right now. And I know it's a, a product of, um, you know, recency bias. Kind of because he's come up and he's done some really really good things, but Brazier might have some really interesting decisions to make in the next couple of years. Well, a lot of a lot of super hype for him, a lot of helium for him, and, and maybe prospect fatigue starting to set in for Drew Waters. As people forget that Drew's only like twenty one years old too, twenty one or twenty two. Um, I don't buy in that Michael Harris doing this means the Braves are done with Drew Waters or that Michael Harris is over Drew Waters at this point. He might be. We'll have to see where he gets assigned, but. The Braves still have very high expectations for Drew Waters. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, th- like Drew is not some forgotten guy. Even if fans, since fans tend to be a little bit fickle, recency bias plays a huge role in prospects. Um, just gonna tell you guys now: do not ignore Drew Waters. Uh, the, he he is going to do something this year, or whatever. Once he gets healthy, which was the reason why he hadn't been playing quite as often in spring, he had a uh, had an injury, an oblique injury. Um. That, that tended to be it. Well, I'm not ready to give up on Drew. I know the Braves aren't either. Um, but for sure, don't don't write off Drew Waters yet. Now, we are running out of time, so we've got to move into this next segment. Um, real quick, we'll hit on this Freddie Freeman thing. Um, I'm going to say this very bluntly. Everybody stop freaking out. Freddie's not going anywhere. Freddie has said numerous times he wants to retire a Brave. Alex wants, uh, Alex wants Freddie to retire a Brave. Everybody wants Freddie to retire a Brave. His best friend is Chipper Jones. He's been here through the worst possible rebuilding seasons he could ever think of, and now he's got a World Series contending team. He's not like, this idea that he's going to go play for the Angels because he's from California. It's 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 never been shown in anything Freddie has ever done or said. It's like, yeah, I really want to finish my career in California. He's never been that way. 
He's an Atlanta guy now. He may be from California by way of Canada, but he's a Braves guy now. And and I would be I would I would be absolutely floored if he does not have a contract extension worked out before this season is over. Ronald Acuña and Ozzy Albies both signed their contract extensions uh, the first week of the 2019 season. So uh, for anybody that's worried about the fact that um, once the season starts, then all extension talks are off the table. Um, you know, they might be, but then again, those are two really good recent examples. Uh, part of the reason why I don't think there's a ton of urgency is because, yeah, it's been said multiple times by both sides, Freddie wants to stay here forever. The front office has come out and been very clear for a front office that is very tight-lipped about a lot of things. They have been so incredibly open about the fact that they want to bring Freddie back. So let's, how long do you think it would take? You know, they could work this out in an hour. If, if that. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Hey, Hey, here's our offer. All right, cool. I'll sign. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't think that it would take a lot. Both sides know what they're going to come to the table with. Both sides know what the other side is going to come to the table with. It's going to be a very simple thing. You know, it wasn't even... Uh, how long ago did Ozuna sign? Was that two months ago? I mean, it was during Ozuna's press conference. Granted, it was in jest, but Anthopolis just completely unsolicited brought up, oh, yeah, and... Uh, Ozuna's going to handle the Freddy extension, which obviously, like I said, is in jest, but the fact that he just brought up like, oh, by the way, we haven't forgotten that we are going to extend Freddie Freeman. Yes, I know there was an article that Freddie said he has not been approached f- about extension talks. What's the rush? He's locked down for this year. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's not going to go anywhere. Everything's fine. Y'all just chill. Everything's cool. Everybody calm down. But I did have to move us along faster because we've got a question from one of our good buddies who listens to us all the time and has from the very beginning. Um, We came across this, and this might be one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Yeah, you want to go first on this one? Uh, I'm going to let you go first because I'm still trying to mull this around. This is a very... Very interesting question in no relevant way to baseball. Well, we did get a number of questions uh, when we put this out on Twitter, so thank you very much, everybody, for that. And we were able to work a lot of them organically into the show, but this one was a little harder. Uh, one I forgot to answer, but uh, our buddy Anthony Williams, about Sean Kazmar. If he didn't make the team in 2015, 2016, I don't think he's going to make it this year, but he is right-handed and having a good good spring. I would, by the way, I would love it for Kazmar. He's been phenomenal. It's not like all the other righties have been better. Although Irvin, I think Irvin's pretty much a lock. We didn't talk about Philip Irvin, but he's been good this spring too. So I think he's he's kind of a lock at this point. I'd like it for Sean. Um, I mean, he's essentially a player coach. He's he's you know he's he's been around forever, and he hasn't been in the big league since two thousand eight. I mean, he's even in the minors, he's not been a particularly great hitter. But I, I'd love to see it for him. I I I just want to see him get it, even if he's like oh gets two at bats, he's back down. I think at some point this year you'll probably see him on there. It's like a lifetime achievement award, but. Yeah. But we digress. So the question comes from Dean Eidson, who Dean always asks us some really good questions. And the question is, if you died and came back as an animal, what would be your second choice to come back as? Not not like, you know, something that's cool, but not necessarily your first choice. Um, yeah, that's the key word. What is your second choice? Um, well, my, f- I've always said that I... If I get reincarnated, I want to come back as one of my parents' dogs, which technically I guess I'm, what, I'm like that anyway. But... <laughs> uh, but I think if given the opportunity, instead of going for, like, comfort of life, I would want to be something that had, like, a reputation for being kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I'm going to go with, like, an ostrich or, like, a platypus or, uh, or like, a rhino. Maybe, like, a rhino. 
Yeah, definitely a rhino. That's pretty cool. I mean, a uh, big giant horn growing out of the middle. Basically, you could go around calling yourself a unicorn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rhinoceroses are just fat unicorns. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think I think a dog is, is most people's first choice, at least if you're a sane person, not a crazy person, or a psychopath, because dogs just have it made. They're a man's best friend for a reason. Everybody loves them. They're just perfect animals. But uh, I would probably say something like an otter. Uh, shout out to the Danville Otter. Oh, dogs. yeah. Uh, just because... Otter's basically just a water dog, uh, super smart, super cool. I've always wanted to like play with an otter, and I've never had the chance to. So shout out to again Danville Otterbots if you guys uh, want to maybe I don't know form some kind of conglomeration with the TPS guys here and get me a photo op with an otter. I will surely take you up on that and rep whatever gear you possibly have. Um, you know, if the, not if, saying you know whatever, just subtly saying. If the Braves don't don't get to have a team in Danville anymore, then uh, living well is the best revenge, and I'm glad that they are the Otterbots now. That's a that's a pretty pretty stellar upgrade. It is, and an otter would just be a really really cool animal to be. You're smart. You live all day in the water, floating on your back, cracking clams and mussels on your tummy. It's awesome. <laughs> Possibly the first use of the word tummy on TPS. 141 episodes we made it without one tummy. Remember, I'm a new dad, so there's going to be a lot more of these words interspersed in the coming days. Sweet. Well, I'm glad Tummy was the first one that we got. Right. Could have been worse. There could have been something else I said, but uh, we digress. Now, again, I did say that we were, that was going to be our final question, and it is. So we are going to end the show for this week. We are going to come back again next week and uh, probably come a little bit earlier so we can drop one episode right before the season next week. If you're wondering what we think about particular players make sure you're tuned in for the end of the spring training spectacular next week. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Don't ask me about it. Don't ask me to reveal it on Twitter because we will not do it. But for now, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Mm-hmm.